Well, we have a special episode today on Enjoying the Journey. Excited to have my dad as a guest. And to change things up a little bit, we decided to ask one of our friends to interview both of us on today's episode. So we've got Justin back. I know, don't boo. I know you guys don't like hearing from him, but we thought, hey, why not have Justin interview both of us? Just kidding. We love JJ. He's awesome and uh, really excited to turn over the reins to him today. So, Justin, it's going to become your show on Enjoying the Journey today. Welcome. Thanks for doing this for us. Uh, really looking forward to to, the, to to today's episode, to the, the day. I don't know why I can't say today, but I can't. Well, Rob, I just want to just thank you. I know, I know what you're doing. People have been just cheering and been chanting and been like, Justin, we need Justin to take one of these podcasts and own it. So thank you for just listening to the crowds of people that have been just, just shouting. We want Justin. So thank you, Rob. Yeah, I did hear that one person. I did. And, and really listen, your wife did send us that email. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm, guys, I'm, I'm extremely honored to be again, just a part of this and to be interviewing what I would just say, just legends of community and just legends of people in ministry. And, uh, I'm just excited about this, again, opportunity. And Gary, I just want to first start off with you. Uh, a lot of people, Gary, have said that Rob and I look alike. Uh, <laughs> I, I always get offended when someone says that, but would yeah, you be too. honored? <laughs> would you be honored to have me instead of Rob just because I'm better looking? Would you be more honored or less honored um, if I was your son? No, I, I, I would be honored. You do kind uh, of look. You do kind of look uh, similar in some ways. Yeah, I know. He's worse looking, but that's okay. <laughs> it's probably the hair. That's right. That's right. That well, I we have the same teeth structure. <laughs> <laughs> and we dress the same at Rise Fest every year. So we do. We yeah. Well, Gary, I just want to just start off with you. Um so if you guys don't know, listeners, I'm a pastor uh, here in Sioux Falls, and uh, being a pastor, you get a certain calling on our life, just like whatever career that we're in with Rob being in Rise Ministry and, and people that are teachers to janitors, it's a calling. Uh, but we do know that pastors is also a calling. So I just want to ask, um, I want to ask something that might be a little more near and dear. For me, I struggled with the possibility of actually being a pastor because I was nervous about expectations that were that would be placed on my family not alone me did you can you explain a little bit of your calling and if you ever had any of those challenges uh yes uh i had exactly those concerns uh i was actually farming when god began to stir in my heart and there were uh there was a weekend or yeah weekend experience that you could go through uh as couples and it was called curseal at that time and uh curseal still going on today i guess but back then it was uh happening at third church where i was worshiping in pella iowa at the time and i went to curseal one weekend and i heard Actually, it was a pastor who gave a talk, and he talked about how God had just put this calling on his heart, and 
I don't know, God began to stir and I just, I, I really wrestled with it, Justin, for a year. Um, and then finally I went back to Curcio and I worked the weekend. And while I was there, God just made it abundantly clear that he was calling me uh, to some form of ministry. I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time. Uh, I just agreed to kind of uh, see where I felt God was leading me. And uh, I had real concerns. You know, my, my wife was from Des Moines and the last thing she ever expected she was doing when we got married was marrying a pastor. She thought she was marrying a farmer. So, <laughs> so uh, yes, I, I had many of those same questions. I, I just wondered, you know, it's, it's not just a calling on my life. It's a calling on your, your spouse. And yes, my kids were already uh, going to school at Pella. And I wondered what that would be like uprooting them and going to uh, where I considered going to seminary would have been in Holland, Michigan. And that was quite a move. So there were so many questions, Justin. I, I, I just, I, I guess I finally just said, okay, God, uh, here we go. Here we go. So did you, did you ever find any of those moments? Like Rob has spoke quite a bit about how you've made the dumbest decision of your life by leaving farming. Right. Uh, was there ever any of those moments when you uprooted the family to go to Holland, Michigan? Were there ever any moments where you're just like, Oh man, I, I don't know if this is right. Wherever were, were there ever any moments where God was very clearly reminded you that you are supposed to be here in school at this time? Yeah, yeah. I uh I had to take summer Greek, and Greek was taught during the summer, it was taught in the induction method, which meant you just opened the Greek Bible, you started reading. And supposedly you were supposed to be able to absorb it. And I tell you, Justin, after that summer course, I said to myself, God, what have you gotten me into? I said, Greek of all things. And I just thought, oh, boy, uh, God, what's plan B? Because I don't think I don't think plan A is working out very well. <laughs> So, so that was one of those moments. Yeah. Yep. That was one of those moments. In fact, my wife, George, she was the one who said, hey, just, just buckle down. God will get us through this. Uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't bring us this far just to, you know, let us fall flat in our face. Um, just trust. And I said, okay. All right. <laughs> so, you know, there was times I needed her just reassuring me that we've made the right decision. That's right. You know, that's what I've heard multiple times uh, where there are many times where we hear God uh, speaking to us. And it, it sometimes sounds like your wife. Most of the time, it sounds like your wife that's speaking to you. So, uh so then yeah. after a while, uh, you, you, you went through school, you got through that Greek, and then you, you, were, you were a pastor. So, Rob, I'm going to now put this on you. I'm going to ask you a question. 
Mm-hmm. So as a pastor's kid, as a person that may have been a little bit frustrated and bitter, did you ever have any, did you ever feel like you had false expectations be placed upon you as a pastor's kid? Yeah, every day. Every day, your life all of a sudden became a fishbowl. And every move you made, every decision you made, whether you got in trouble, didn't get in trouble, whether you were a straight and narrow kid, you know, a lot of times when you're a, a pastor's kid, well, at least for us, I guess I can't say this is true for everybody. You're moving every so often. You know, if you if you look at the history of pastors and churches, very seldom is it a a one one and done or two and done. You know, I'm going to spend 20 years here, 25 years. I'm really going to grow with this community and and this school system. So we were moving more often than I cared to. So you're always put into a, a new situation. And whether you were living right or weren't living right, there were expectations put on you. There were expectations put on you into the community or school system you ended up in just by other students. They were put on you by churchgoers. They were put on you by teachers. Uh, whether you know we would admit it or not, it's true. You end up in a new environment, and it's like, oh, this is the new pastor in town. Oh, that's great. You know, pastors' kids are supposed to be good, and they're supposed to listen, and they're not supposed to get in trouble and and uh, have faith. Yeah, I remember getting called a Bible thumper and some other things uh, along the way, and. Uh, as as my dad said, my mom didn't sign up to be a pastor's wife. I did not sign up to be a pastor's kid. That was the last thing from my mind. Farming was where I loved life, not in this arena. And so, yeah, I did not enjoy uh, being a pastor's kid. So let's talk about like relationships. So many of things that we that we are witnessing in today's world, we're struggling with like identity, uh, identity issues, any, whatever. And some of that is because of some tough relationships. So I kind of want to ask, Gary, I want to start with you. Oh, did you ever did you ever feel that when this transition happened, whether it was the first year in your first church that you were uh, being a pastor at, did you ever feel relationships hardened between um, kids and you or your wife and you? Did you ever feel people that uh, with the kids just being like, this is not what we wanted. Did they ever act out and show you that they didn't want that? I can answer that. No, we never did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yes, certainly. And, and that's, that's part of, remember I said, when I made this decision, it was part of what, made the decision so difficult. Um, And, you know, with Rob and Amy both having muscular dystrophy, that just adds a whole different layer to what you're asking your kids to kind of take on as you, you know, as, as I said, yes and no to various churches along the way. And yeah, there were times where those relationships were strained um, uh, for certain. Uh, and again, um, you know, it, it, it really comes down to though that, you know, you just have this belief that 
God is going to get you through it somehow. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some real stormy seas uh, because, you know, we certainly did. Um, but looking back, I would say it's true. God got us through it, um, you know. So the podcast is obviously called Enjoying the Journey. And, and as you said, Gary, like, not everything is going to be easy. I think we've, we've gone through that. What, what I've heard is you hear that every message, uh, every podcast. Were there ever any times where, like, your faith was shaken? Um, going through this, this call process, in, now you're leading churches, and now you have kids, relationships that might be just hardening. You're, you're not seeing, you didn't see it going that way. Did you have problems with faith? And if you did, how did you hold on strong with your faith? Um, certainly, there's, there's, you know, there's things that happen, especially in churches, um, that will cause you to really wrestle <laughs> with uh, your faith. You know, that, that happened in Worthington. Uh, certainly, uh, we were going through a decision whether to add on to the church or not. And that became a very divisive vote in the church. And, um, you know, so you heard things and there are comments made about you. And, and so, yes, it, it, it causes you to just question, oh, man, God, I thought leading a church was at least going to be uh, you know, this kind of, you know, experience where you, oh, you might see a little bit of criticism, but, you know, nothing that would affect you that deeply. Um, you know, I found that that wasn't true, really. And the best thing I ever did in, in, in my two first ministries was I was in a group of small a small group um elders and uh it was during those times that those elders were you know were my support and uh, we we talked through it and you know we we just really kind of laid out and uh thankfully you know there were some guys who older than I was by far who had lived a lot of life and it was just good to get their perspective on things. And, uh, you know, there's a saying in the church, Justin, that when things are going on and you think, you know, things are going really well, well, there's a saying, well, it might not be going as well as you think it is, but when things fall apart and you feel like the whole thing's falling apart, the, there's a saying that it's not as bad as you think it is either. So I had an elder tell me that once and, and I tried to remember it as I, you know, as I kind of went through, uh, you might say issues in both ministries, both at Worthington and Sheldon. And uh, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> there, there were challenging times for sure. I think that's something that I hope the listeners are hearing too, that uh, 
you know, it might seem like just in your world around you, no matter if you're a pastor or not, it might feel like things are unraveling and things just are at as low as they're, it's not as low as you think it is. Just the same thing. If things are going so smooth, it may not be as great as things as you think it is. That's always remember that God is at the core of all of it. Um, as us as believers that we truly believe that God is at the core of it all. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. Rob, what about you? When we talk about relationships, can you tell us where you were at? How old were you when you first found out your dad was going into ministry, going to be a pastor, giving up farming? How old were you? How was your relationship at that time? I, I was nine. I was nine at, at, at that time. Our relationship was great. Uh, we were on the farm. I'd spend every waking moment with him outdoors on the farm, whether we were, you know, taking care of hogs or, or we were farming the ground, you know, during harvest or spring, uh, planting during spring, that kind of stuff. And so that is what I knew in my very short term on this earth was farming, waking up, going with your dad, going to sale barns, being on equipment, climbing fences, doing this, doing that. And all of a sudden it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're leaving. We're, we're what? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I tell, I tell people when I speak all the time, I remember him sitting us down and being like, yeah, we're moving to Michigan. First of all, I had no clue where Michigan was. I was nine. And uh, as I think about it now, I'm like, no, you picked up the wrong phone, dude. That uh, I don't think God's saying that. That sounds like a terrible decision. And so, yeah, we we ended up moving when I was nine, spent the next three years in Michigan, learned a lot there, uh, learned a lot about city life. And I learned a lot about this ain't uh, this ain't Mayberry anymore, boys and girls. So I saw a lot of life in a very short amount of time from the time I was nine to 12 life that uh, definitely shows you a different picture than what what you're used to. And so. I actually remember being mugged uh, at that time. I was a little kid. My brother and I, they were older kids. They were high school kids. And uh, my, uh, my mom actually tracked them down. And I remember threats. And I remember this. And I remember that. And it's just like, well, this is a whole different. We lived right by the college at the time. So we'd have drunk college students fighting on our yard in the middle of the night. We'd have the campus police showing up. I learned what it was like to throw snowballs at the campus police back then and then run and hide under your basement stairs when they came knocking on the door. And so, yeah. Uh, uh, but I also, it, it was a beautiful city. Lake Michigan was there. I uh, saw some other things. I uh, met some friends. I actually met a friend that was a lot older than us. He was a single guy that lived down the street because housing was all kind of on the same block. And so he taught us to play lacrosse and, and things like that. Just somebody to hang out with. I remember also somehow I ended up at a at, at an event where there were BMX dudes. I never really seen that before. You know, you, back then I'm an older guy. So you saw the movie Rad and things like that. And here they are right in front of me. Guys that took up a parking lot, got a crowd together and were doing tricks on their bikes, which was really cool. I don't remember a gospel presentation or anything like that. I just remember, man, that's stinking cool. That's really, really cool. And yeah, so that that was that was three years of our life. And then uh, dad ended up taking a position in Minnesota, southern Minnesota, well, southwestern, actually, Worthington. And 
Yeah, that's that's when things maybe weren't weren't as great anymore. That's when the disease that I I now get to deal with daily uh, started to manifest or show itself more, which made it difficult in school, made it difficult at home. And things I knew were now gone. You know, I'm a city kid. I'm no longer a farm kid. I'm a sports kid. I'm living in the Michael Jordan era where if you just try harder, you will become great. Not understanding that it doesn't matter how hard you try physically, you are not going to beat this. And oh, by the way, those around you notice it and they're not afraid to say something. So that definitely strained relationships. Uh, as my dad mentioned, my sister and I have it. My brother doesn't. He's two and a half years younger. He was Mr. Stud Athlete, Mr. Uh, nothing Ruffles His Feathers, Mr. Uh, baby of the Family, you, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, jealousy starts to affect your life. And why does he get to do this? Why is he good at this? Why am I not? A whole lot of whys came into my life, which then turned into anger, which then turned into bitterness, which then turned into a wall uh, pretty much between us for the next mm, four or five years, I would say. Yeah, I was wrestling with a lot back then, trying to figure things out, who I was, what is this disease all about? Why do I have it? Why am I here? Yeah, that kind of stuff. So, no, it wasn't like waking up and, and going to a sale barn anymore. Yeah. You know, that's that's one thing that I just love how legitly how God works, because with with all with everything that you guys as a family had to deal with. So going to Holland, coming back and then being diagnosed, like people noticing like all of this jazz, it's all especially for you, Rob, like, that's what I admire about you is you're a fighter. Um, you're going to just continue to fight. You, you, we talk about this all the time. You wrestle with God all the time as we all do, but I, I don't know wrestle, if we all do, but I sure you, do. <laughs> you wrestle like nobody's business. I mean, you're just like, I don't know, but like, I really believe during these transition, just from the little bit that we've had a chance to talk here is it sounds like that's where your fighting mentality kind of started to come from. Um, you were, you were upset. You were frustrated. You're no longer the farmer. Now you're a pastor's kid in Worthington, Minnesota. And now things are just kind of probably feels like you're losing just control of everything. Yeah. Which, which really I, I admire because it has taught you really to not take yes or no to make you actually fight and actually, you know, do things. So I, I admire that. So all of a sudden years go by. Um, now, now Rob is, is, is in Sheldon. Um, uh, yeah, and he started this ministry in orange city called rise ministries, man, Rob, what was your, like, why rise ministries? Why, what was going on in that process? Because you never wanted to be a, a pastor's kid. You didn't want to be no. a pastor's kid. And then you didn't want to be a pastor. So why are you getting into ministry? That is such a good question for God, because it is the absolute last thing I ever wanted to be a part of. I mean, I watched my dad be a pastor for by this time. Oh, probably 10, 15 years of his life. We've been pastor's kids. I've watched it. I've watched the highs. I've watched the lows. 
I've watched some of what he has explained, you know, people making comments and, and living in a glass bowl. So I'm in college wanting to be a farmer, but, you know, it wasn't going to work out with, with no ground and no equipment. I, I guess you call that gardening. But I wasn't I wasn't going to be a farmer. And so I thought I'll go into the banking world. Actually, I started a whole bunch of majors, but it ended on I'm going to go into banking, loan money to farmers or, or agriculture, because that's what I love. And I'm in my junior year, I think. Actually, I ended up at a, at a Christian college called Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. I'm married at, uh, by this time. Charlotte and I are married. And we're both going there. We're non-traditional students. And they tell me I have to take a Bible class. And I'm like, you're telling me what I have to take? I've never done well with people telling me what I have to do. Uh, I guess you could ask my wife. I'm still not good at it. But uh I end up in this Bible class, Old Testament, and the Bible became so real to me. It was unbelievable in a way that I never experienced before. And I was like, oh, wow, the worst, the worst God is using. Huh. Maybe there's a maybe there's a spot for me after all. Huh. All right, God, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying a little bit. And, and granted, even though there's been turmoil and there's been strained relationships and there's been frustrations and there's been wrestling matches with God, there have been people in my life speaking into it all along the journey. And I would always hear this. You're here for a reason, Rob. You're going through this for a reason. And I'm like, you say that one more time, I'm going to smack you upside the head because I have no idea what that reason is and I'm sick of it. And so all of a sudden you're in these classes, the Bible become, becomes so alive and you're hearing about individuals that have made some terrible mistakes and God is using them. And all of a sudden I'm wrestling, not wrestling through my business classes because I really enjoyed them, but I'm wrestling with go tell your story. I'm like, uh, no, nope, nope. Try again, God, uh, wrong person. So I keep going in my business classes. Tell your story. No, no, don't want to tell my story. Um, well, other kids are hurting. Why don't you just tell your story? Because then maybe they won't make the same dumb mistakes and yada, yada. So the wrestling match begins two years later. God wins. I have this unbelievable urge inside of me to start a ministry. And all I could think of is why does every major ministry have to be out of Florida, Colorado, or California? Why can't we build something here in the Midwest and, and, and go out? And so I hear God speaking and I'm like, I, I'm supposed to tell my story. I don't want to tell people that I don't measure up. I don't want to tell people I failed. I don't want to tell people that I have doubts and fears and worries. Really, God? And so all of a sudden it was my last semester and it was two business classes I had left to take or I could do an internship. I had fed tax and financing and both of them sounded horrible. All I wanted to do was work. And so I called a friend of mine that was in a ministry at the time and said, hey, you ever had an intern before? They're like, nope. I said, great, I'll be your first one. He's like, well, I got to talk to the board. I'm like, I don't care what you got to do. Just get it done. And so while I was interning for him, he let me start this thing called Rise. And it was, we're going to speak. We're going to do a radio program. We're going to try to get in front of students in schools, just trying to help them when they don't feel like they fit in. Ken Davis became a friend of mine back then, the comedian. And he gave me this 
a message to give. And it was, why are you trying so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out? So we really started going down that road. And then I, I remember being at mom and dad's. They were, they were now in Knoxville, Iowa. My dad was at that church. My brother was there for some reason. I, I don't even know if he was married at the time or what. I don't remember. And I was telling him about this. I said, man, I'm wrestling with this call in my life that, that I need to start a ministry. But I don't know what to call it. And he sits there for a minute. We're in the driveway just chatting. He goes, why don't you call it Rise? I'm like, well, why would I call it that? He goes, because you have a hard time rising. And I'm like, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. And so we started with an acronym. I still remember the acronym. And it was realize who you are, investigate your gifts and talents, surrender to the things you cannot change, and enjoy life by being you. And so that's how we started RISE, just like that. We, we don't use the acronym quite as often or ever, really. But those principles are still there because until you realize who you are, investigate what what gifts do we have? You know, God, why did you put me in a chair or, or allow me to be in a chair? However you want to say it. Well, what do you want me to do with that? And then surrender to things you cannot change. Poor Justin cannot change that I'm the better looking twin in our relationship. But I'm just kidding. Uh, and then enjoy life. You know, we call this Enjoying the Journey podcast for a reason, because you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. And why do I wrestle with God so much? Because I struggle so much to surrender to the things I cannot change, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there's a reason we call this Enjoying the Journey, because there are things I cannot change. I know God can, but sometimes he chooses not to. So am I willing to surrender to that? Because if we're willing to surrender to that, then we can rise through him. So rise got us named through that long story because of that. It was my brother and I on a, on a driveway after years of wrestling with God and hearing this go start a ministry deal. That is powerful. I didn't even know the acronym for rise. Like, yeah, that is that's powerful. It was uh, that's how we started way back in the day. If you see the old logo, it'll be R period I period S period E period. And then I'm like, that's a stupid acronym. Why are we using it? <laughs> and then all these years later, we're 21 years into this journey. Uh, if uh, if you don't like the word stupid, I'm sorry. I apologize. But uh, yeah. And I'm like, rise really does mean something. It really does. And when I rattle off those acronyms again, they're still pretty close to home. Yeah. When I think sure they are. when I think about it. And and that surrender one is is big, really big. Yeah. So Gary, you're having this conversation in Knoxville with with Rob, knowing his fight, fight maybe even with you, fight with your call into ministry. And now all of a sudden, this, this young man is talking to you about joining ministry. Like, did you struggle? Like, were you thinking this was a nightmare or a dream? Like, what were your thoughts when all of a sudden this, this ornery little pastor's kid now all of a sudden is getting into ministry? What were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, first I thought, oh, wow. You know, this is about the last thing. Uh, at one point, you know, uh, 
when Rob was really struggling with some things, you know, I, I, you know, I think one of the things Rob probably doesn't know, but every church I had always a group of elders that were praying for both him and Amy, um, because I knew, um, man, uh, they just had to face so many other things that, you know, other kids don't face and at least not in the same way. And so um, when we were sitting on that driveway and talking about it, though, I thought, you know, who better than Rob that can sit down and, you know, talk with kids about whatever issues they're going through because certainly you, you know rob has dealt with many of them and so uh although i was surprised in some sense uh i i also felt rob has the gifts for this this is this this is really something you know that i i, I believe in that uh um yeah this i, I just felt I, I don't know exactly where it's going, but I just really uh, was thankful, um, so appreciative that God had continued to work in Rob's life through, through, through the dark times, through, through the times of enjoyment, because we certainly had those too. And I was just so appreciative of, of where he was at that point in his life. Um, yeah, that's good. So Rob, when you talk about ministry and I know Gary was, was sharing, like there were times when it was a struggle, you know, and we get that everywhere. And I think sometimes a part of, of life, sometimes we don't, um, share things that we should, mm -hmm. um, sometimes we keep it in and, um, but were there ever any things when you saw maybe your dad or your mom struggling that you saw them cling on to their faith? Was there something that ever stuck out to you that you will never forget that is a big part of who you are and you're thankful that you saw them be faithful even during the struggle? Do you ever have any moments of that that pop up? And if so, what was it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, dad and I talk about this stuff all the time. That's the crazy thing. Although I never wanted to be in this, though I still tease him that he answered the wrong phone all those years ago, and we could be running some heavy equipment right now, big equipment, you know, have ground and be ready for harvest season. Uh, instead, we're on a Zoom talking about Jesus and all that that fun stuff, even though I still tease him about that. And yes, he, he made the right decision. We get to have conversations about hard things because he's still dad to two kids with MD. He um, still has walked that journey before us, you know, from leaving a career of what he thought he loved. He didn't become a pastor until he was nearly 38. And so it's a second career. You're going through Greek and you're like, I made the wrong decision. Then you move your family, you go to a church and, and you hear remarks of, I don't know what they were, but they're not positive. To my kids are struggling. Well, maybe not both of them, but this one is struggling. W what am I doing? 
You know, in, in these moments, you could be like, God, I'm done, man. This this makes zero sense. Thanks for the hard life. But yeah, I'm going back to the other thing. And in those moments, I, I, I've never seen him back down. Uh, as he said, he had elders praying for us or he'd have other people doing things behind the scenes. Some of that I've learned now later in life. Had no idea at the time. Uh, I've watched him walk through some really hard things. Uh, being a pastor can be brutal at times. And rather than shaking his fist at God and being like, this is all done. I'm I'm done. I got to walk away. I got to I got to have a time out. It's like he did, dug in deeper. So when I'm wrestling with something, yeah, he's usually one of my first calls. Like, how, how do we deal with this? What, what does this look like? The biggest one that I've ever seen is chronic pain came into his life, I don't know, a decade or a little bit longer to where it was brutal. I mean, you're missing out on this event, that event. You're not sitting, you're not standing, you're not resting. And, you know, all of it to, to the point where it's like, how do you wake up every morning? I, I mean, MD is something, but this is really something, so to speak. And has never wavered in his faith maybe has asked questions but never wavered um so anytime i'm wrestling with something heavy and just be like what is god doing has he forgotten about me i'll hear something like well he wouldn't have brought you this far just to leave you or maybe it's not as bad as what you're thinking or you know god's gonna raise somebody up he's been faithful before Yes, I know he's been faithful before, but what about this time? What if he's not faithful this time? <laughs> Those would be my questions back <laughs> to him. But uh, then he'll just point me back in the right direction of, yeah, you know, God is faithful. Yeah. So, you yes, know, I have seen it all of my life. You know, Gary, I, you don't know this, but uh, Rob is one of my sounding boards. He's a person that I go to and just. Uh, I talk with quite a bit about just struggles and pains and, and the joys and celebrations in life. And there was a time when a transition where I was, I was coming up with, with, if I was going to leave a church and go to another church, uh, I know he passed that along to you. So what, what I just think is, and got your wisdom and what I feel like, I don't know you all that well, Gary, but what I feel like what you have is, is, is an encouraging mindset and that is who you are. And, I just want to thank you because obviously what, what you and your wife um, have gone through, uh, just let's just even take ministry out of it. Just having two kids with MD. Um, I just want to thank you for, for constantly, you know, just being an encouragement and showing a great example to my friend Rob here, because he's a fighter. He's not going to let things go, but also that when you remain faithful, that, uh, faithful on God and reminding of the promises, look what happened. And, and, and now all of a sudden you look at what rise looked like in orange city, you know, you, you could probably ask very, you could ask a lot of people and people are like, Oh, who knows if rise is going to last, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's this event, it's Christian. It's what, I mean, who knows if it's going to last now, all of a sudden you've witnessed in the last 20 some years, where Rise is at, Rise Ministry, Rise Fest, where it's at right now. Gary, what do you have to say about that? Like, are you surprised? Are you, what, what are your initial, initial thoughts on how Rise Ministries has, has grown? Well, it's, you know, to me, it's just amazing. Um, 
you know, to think that first year in Orange City, I don't know, maybe 3,000 people, and we maybe it wasn't even that big, but you know, it, it just seemed, wow, this is really cool. And then I've seen, you know, over the years, just, you know, Rob just hang in there. Many times he had to make big decisions where you didn't know exactly, you know, is this going to pay off or isn't it? And uh, it was just so affirming to see how he's grown in leadership. Um, you know, he's he's been really wise about, you know, as, as Rise has gone on, the thing I appreciate most about Rob is he surrounded himself with other people, other leaders, and you're one of them, Justin. And there are others that that speak into Rob's life and and I think have been instrumental in helping him grow this amazing ministry. I mean, it's if you'd have asked me two, three years ago with that stage, I mean, there were things going on in Rob's head that I <laughs> I didn't even know were going on. And, you know, it's just been such an amazing journey to see. Uh, all that God is doing and hopefully will continue to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm just, uh, I stand amazed, I guess. Uh, that's probably the best words I can use. That's good. I think, I think you said something really wise and uh, really wise in that with, he has surrounded himself with good leaders and good people. I, that is part of en enjoying the journey of life. If you are not surrounding yourself with good people, uh, people that are, you know, they're encouraging, praying for you, uh, supporting you, then it's going to be tough to en enjoy the journey because you're not surrounding, you're not hearing positive things. So listeners, it's important to surround yourself with people that love, care, and encourage for you. Because if you don't, it won't be a fun journey. It's yes. going to be isolated and alone. So um, well, I just have a few more questions. Oh, what, what do you got, Rob? With that, Justin, I I want to add to to that because I think it's so true. So back when we would speak to a lot of schools, there was a quote that came out. So anybody listening, I just want to share a couple with you. One is, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Two is, uh, we've got a new good friend that we do a lot of work with. His name's Chris right now. And he said, I've never done anything great without a team. We have some amazing people. I could start name dropping this person and, and, and that person. Would, there's no way we would be where we are at today without a phenomenal team. And that team is, is, is pretty large now. By the time you add in staff, you add in heads of Rise Fest departments to volunteers, uh, it, it's a big group of people. The other one, it, it comes from, from John Maxwell, uh, that's the crazy thing about this journey. Here's a kid that didn't want to do God's work was ain't well, still sometimes angry with him from time to time. Uh, not sure what this journey or life is going to be all about. And God has allowed me to meet some incredible people personally meet them. And John Maxwell is one of them. I got to spend a couple of years with him and 130 other people in some beautiful locations 
And I remember him saying this over and over and over again. You know, as you're as you're growing as a leader or an individual, have people that are better than you around you. And I really try to do that. And let's be honest, lots of people are better than me. So it's easy to bring them to the table. But I want people that are better than me. I want people that that have been different places than I have been, that think differently, that have led at higher levels. That's what we're talking about here when we're trying uh, to do something or accomplish something. One, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Two, you never do it without a team. And three, who's better than you that you can ask to join the journey and go along together? Because it's always more special when you do it together. One last one, and this is it. I learned this over the last year and a half. Grief brought to community is cut in half, okay? When we carry each other's burdens. However, if that is true, then joy brought to uh, community should be quadruple. That's good. And that's why you wanna do this together. Not just there to help you in the down moments, to pick you up when you've fallen, but to celebrate together. And that's the beautiful thing about a journey is when you're doing it with a team or you're doing it with people that are better, maybe isn't the right word, but just more skilled in certain areas. What a beautiful thing God does. And he talks about it in the Bible about, you know, if you're not a hand, don't worry about it. If you're the foot, if you know, we're all here for a different purpose. Let's do it together. That's good. I always wondered why you wanted to hang out with me. And now I realize that I'm better than you. Thank you. I, so, I've had low so, self-esteem for a little while. Thank you. <laughs> so, so there is a, a, a caveat to that. And that is to have one person that's lower than you around you. And that, you know, so I just try to keep you around so I, I can feel better about myself every now and then. <laughs> let's make sure, let's make sure we edit that part out of Rob. Uh, I'm just okay, Justin. I, I know, I'm just kidding. I have two questions for both of you. Um, so the first question, and this is going to be my closing first question though. Um, so right now we're living in a world where it just seems like it's all like Gary, you mentioned that with church. Like, it seems like everything's unraveling and it feels like the world, uh, it feels like maybe your world is like awful. I want to look at this from a different perspective and I'm going to talk about maybe in the area of church or Christians, what have been something that you have witnessed today that you are encouraged about how people are either living or how churches are living out their vision. Have you witnessed anything that you're just thankful? It's not the same way that it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, yes. Uh, you know, I think one thing that's impacting churches and I, I, I see it more now than when I started in ministry the average time a pastor spent at a church was about seven years. And that was average. A lot stayed three to five and seven to 10. But as I uh, got toward the twilight years of my ministry, uh, there was a, a new way of thinking that kind of emerged. And, you know, churches began to understand you know, it's really hard to keep momentum going when you're constantly having a new leader come in. And so what I've noticed in ministry now uh, is as pastors do stay longer, um, 
it's not uncommon for them to, you know, once in a while, um, you know, they'll stay 20 plus years. Um, and, and I think there's a good side to that because I, I, I think it helps churches become healthier. Uh, I think they have a chance to do greater impact in the community. Um, and I think I, what I sense in churches today is that there's a lot more thinking about um, not what makes us happy, but what can the church do to impact the, the broader community? Okay. You know, what, why has God put us here? Uh, and why, why in Knoxville, Iowa, for instance? Mm-hmm. So that's an encouragement to me as, as you know, starting my first ministry was in 1988. And, you know, over the years, I, I really saw uh, churches begin to think differently about that. So yeah. that's good. Thank you. What about you, Rob? Have yes, you noticed sir. anything that you're just like, man, I am thankful um, the world isn't as bad as what we think, or maybe the church world isn't as bad as what we think. What, what are some things that you just look at either church or Christians that you're just thankful it's not the way that it was 10, 20, 30 years ago? Is there anything that sticks out? Yeah, absolutely. I honestly look at it where I don't think things are as bad as what they seem. I think there is hope in humanity. Uh, I, I do believe that God is using some ragamuffins. I like to say people that have lived hard lives and he's raising them up. That really excites me. I love the worship movement. I mean, I, how could I not say that and do Rise Fest? I think Christian music has come so far over that. I, I mean, honestly, when I was growing up, I hated it. I thought it was terrible music. And yet here I am almost 20 years later, not quite doing a Christian music festival year after year with friends. I think that's huge. I was just reminded recently because you yeah, you can see the bad. You can watch the news. You can hear all the division and all the hatred and all where we're against each other. My family and I were just on vacation in Myrtle Beach. Okay, we went to South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, because it's supposed to be the most accessible beach in South Carolina. Why would you not go there? We all love the water. We love the beach. I need to use a chair. Let's go where it's most accessible. We get there and we're, we got a hotel on the beach. You know, the kids get the nice room looking at the ocean. Mom and dad get the p- parking lot because that's where the accessible room is. Right. And so you're like, OK, well, they've they've got a pool lift. First day I go to use it, <laughs> Jagger goes, uh, Dad, there's a wire hanging. I, I don't think it's going to work. I'm like, what? What? So I go in talking maintenance. Yeah, sorry. It's out of commission. We've been trying to get it fixed. We can't get any parts. I'm like, well, what about the hot tub lift? I, I like to go in the hot tub. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sir. That one doesn't work. Well, that's OK. I want to I want to go down to the street and eat at this seafood restaurant. I, I heard about it. So we wheel all the way down there. It's a mile walk. I wheel. Everybody else walks, which that's a whole nother episode. But we get there. Oh, sorry, sir. Our elevator doesn't work to go up to eat. And my wife's like, oh, that's okay. How long has the elevator been out? Uh, Two years. What? (laughs) So it's like, okay, how are we going to get in the pool? How are we going to get in the hot tub? How are we going to get on the beach? And every time Jager would push me or Charlotte would push me on the beach, 
somebody would come and help. Mm. I went to get in the pool. Jager went to uh, pick me up and put me in. And a guy walked over and said, let me help. Another day we're on the beach and in the same scenario, I'm in the water. The kids would push me all the way down to the ocean. I'm in this chair with what I thought were floaty tires, but they're not. So you're not supposed to go out in the ocean with it. And I'd get as close as I could. And the waves would crash on me. I about fall over and Charlotte tried to pull me out. And there was a lot of effort. A guy comes over, he helps. He goes, Hey, you know what? I'm a firefighter. I got four brothers that'll be coming down to the beach here a little bit. Anything you need, all you got to do is ask. We didn't even ask. We wheeled up to the pool and there was a bunch of steps to get up to where the pool was from the beach and then to get in the pool. And sure enough, those dudes showed up and and put me in. Uh, We saw it over and over. And then the maintenance guy who who I had to talk to at first because just some things were not working. As my chair broke the last day we were there, was there with us for over an hour making sure we got it fixed because he used to be an electrician. That's why I believe there is still good. There are still the heart of individuals that believe in loving your your neighbor as yourself. That's good. And I think it's time for the church to continue to live that out. I think it's time for Christian music to continue to write lyrics that pierce the heart and get you to think and get you to worship almighty God. So maybe you're in a deep, dark hole and you're driving down the road and you feel lonely and you've got more questions and answers and the fears and the anxieties are just coming in and every wave. And the next thing you know, the Christian music song comes on and those words just penetrate your heart. That's what gets me fired up. There are some amazing Christian leaders out there right now that are asking God, can we do it again like you've done it before? Can we bring revival again like you've done it before? Can we see the light of Jesus like you've done it before? And as you can tell, it fires me up. You should be an evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. My last question as we're coming to a close here, guys, this has honestly been a huge honor to be just hearing just, I I know we're just getting some snippets of just being in in faith, uh, being in relationship um, in a father son relationship. Um, I just want to just tell you, it's been an honor to be just a part of this. And I just love hearing your guys' stories, your guys's, um, yeah, just your faith and the things that you wrestle with and the things that you wrestled with and where you see where you've witnessed God show himself and reveal himself in ways that you really didn't see him doing. So it, it's been a question that has been at every podcast. Well, maybe the majority of the podcast. And this is going to be uh, Gary, I'm going to start with you. If you could have anyone on this journey with you past or present, who would it be? And why? Anybody, huh? Well, you know, Justin, maybe this is, maybe this is (laughs) a corny answer. I'm not sure. But you know what? I think I would like it to be my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think in a way, um, 
they've been on that journey. Um, you know, I, I hope through my life, uh, through the ups and downs of life that, you know, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's just things that they can hold on to as they go through their lives. It's, you know, when Rob and I have these talks and Bill and I have talks and Amy and I have talks, I just find them um, exhilarating um, because they're either wrestling with their faith or they're growing in their faith. And I, 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 I just enjoy it uh, to no end. And I just, I feel really blessed in that my kids are not afraid to talk about faith and their struggles with faith and, and to see them grow in their faith. I truly have been blessed. Awesome. Thank you for that, Gary. Rob, what about you? You know, I've been... anybody do life. Yeah. No, no, no. no. If you oh, you're gonna anybody read on this. this journey with you, past or present, who would it be and why? I've been thinking about this question a lot because I get to ask it on, on every podcast. Of course, I'm grateful uh, to have all the people that are on the journey with me currently. I mean, from having conversations with dad to my wife, to my kids, my, my dad articulates that so well. It is such a blessing to allow your kids, even if it's for a season to come into to a ministry that, that God is allowing you to do. But as I've thought about this, because you have described me as a fighter, okay, you, you describe me as a fighter. I've got like two and then I've got a, one other one. So, so I know this isn't fair because I never let anybody else do this. But the two that came to mind were Peter and Paul. Man, I would like to run with those guys. Right. Peter cuts the ear off the soldier. He's ready to go. He's like, Jesus, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's mount up. Then you got Paul. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to hang with Paul a whole lot because I think he was in prison most of the time. <laughs> but I think to myself, what could I learn from him? So if, if I had to take a step back, I really think it's Peter. He just seemed like a fiery guy that I would love to just have walked with just to see that journey. What an exhilarating journey and what a hard one. Three years with Jesus. Yeah. And, and then the other one um, would have been Billy. Mm. Billy Graham. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I would have been like, Billy, seriously, you, you never worry. You never have a sin that overtakes your life the way it looks. You preach Jesus all the time. You're the most beloved pastor ever. Could you, could you just rub some of that off on, on me. <laughs> no, I, yeah. So it's, it's, it's quite something, but I think the ragamuffin I would have ran with would have been Peter. Yeah. But you know, like that, that, and those are obviously great answers. I think Gary won uh, with a better answer, but uh, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, when we when we put this question on the podcast for everybody to answer, I always figured if it was a guy who was married, he'd always say his wife, you know, because you don't want to get in trouble. And I do. I love journeying with my wife. But when we open up the question of past or present, 
you know, individuals that were a part of the writing of the Bible. Wow. What would that have been like to rub shoulders with them? Yeah. And, and so oh, that's good. Yeah. But you're right. Dad, dad definitely hit it out of the park with his kids. I know he really wanted to say, well, Rob, of course. And then of course the other two, because they're children. Well, I was actually a little offended that he didn't say me, but we'll do that for another time, Gary. Uh, well, <laughs> but guys, this has been, again, just such a great honor. Listeners, I just want to just, uh, just again, just say thank you for going apart this journey with us and uh, make sure that we, one thing that I really hope that we hear throughout this message, throughout this podcast, is that we need community because community is what gets us through the great times and the challenging times. Without community, we will be isolated and alone. Jesus will still work, but he, he told us to be in community and he showed it with his disciples and he's told us to be a part of community. So again, I just want to thank you guys for listening and we will see you at the next podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.